0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fan as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Sorry about yesterday, folks. I just, you know, you kind of gamble once in a while when you decide not to set an alarm. You figure, hey, I usually get up early anyways. I'm going to chance it and see how it goes. And if I happen to sleep in, I happen to sleep in while I slept in. So Sundays tend to be kind of busy days, and then it gets to a point in the afternoon when it's like I have some time, but that's not what I do. Especially on Sunday when there's very few listeners anyways, I'd rather use that time with the family. So, anyways, might as well start off with this because I just woke up to it, usually start off with some NFL news, but um, in our Discord chat I saw a photo of Mr. Kenny Clark. He's doing a manscaped ad just trying to get a little bit of extra cash, which I understand. I mean, does he need it? No. But can you imagine? I'm just thinking this through here. Let's say you got, I don't know, you have $50 million in the bank somewhere. Anyway, dude, net worth. I don't know. Who cares? Lots of money distributed throughout pillowcases and IRAs. I don't know. You don't need money. But Manscaped DMs you, right? You're just hanging out, and all of a sudden you hear a little jingle, and you're like, what the heck was that? Somebody sent me a message. Ooh, maybe it's, uh, Maybe it's my friend wants to go play in the park, and then you check, and it's Manscape, and you're like, "What the heck is this?" And They're like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna give you fifty grand if you snap a picture of yourself with this package we're gonna send you for free," and then you post it on your Instagram. I don't know if it's actually fifty grand, but let's just say it is. Are you gonna say no? I mean, you could, but even if you didn't need it, why would you say no? If nothing else, donate it. Give fifty thousand dollars to charity. Why not? So yeah, I. I I don't see any reason why anybody would say, no, I'm not doing that. Just, like, take a picture. We're going to send you a package. When you get it, have someone take a picture of you holding it, and then we'll tell you what to post, and you just post the picture and the caption we tell you to put, and then we'll send you the money. Anyways, that's not the point of the story. I'm just saying. I know some people get a little weird about, you don't need that money. That's true. And I didn't need that extra taco last night, but I ate it anyways. The point of the story is that Kenny Clark looks like he lost about 50 pounds. I mean, this guy looks like he fell clean out of the 300s. Maybe it's just a very, you know, maybe it's because he's groomed up real nice, you know, manscaped and whatnot. He got him all trimmed up. That's also probably part of the, the thing, right? You, you can't be looking scruffy in your manscaped ad. So just trim it up a little bit. Maybe get a haircut. But yeah, I, I, um, I can't help but assume, unless I'm just completely wrong about his image. Maybe he's always looked this trim. I don't know. This dude's not going to be seeing a lot of nose tackle snaps. I mean, he still can, but th- the point is, it sounds like they're going to be... Looks like they're going to be making a change for him to be just making a move completely. And why not? We've got the other guys now. You know what I mean? I mean, Kenny, Kenny is dominant in that spot, so it's hard to just take him away from that spot. He's real good. he He's real good right, right across from the center. He can take on two guys... I mean, fundamentally sound. He he does all the right stuff, but if we've got the other guys that can eat dirt now, I'm just saying, why not? In fact, just thinking out loud here, perhaps when we're in our nickel, dime, whatever, you know, generally when you have four down linemen and whatnot, I'm wondering if we don't see Kenny off the edge once in a while. Not not as like a necessarily a regular thing, but a semi regular thing. And he's already done it a handful of times. I mean, it's 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 rare but he's done it but if he's slimming down from 315 down to 298 i'm just saying but again who knows maybe i'm just not used to seeing him without pads on and he's always actually relatively trim but some guys are just just massive you know what i mean as far as their frame and everything else I'm trying to look at pictures of him right now and it, it kind of depends on which one you're looking at that's where every photo of him in pads, it's like, dude, he's got a huge gut and everything else. He definitely lost weight. And then you look at any picture of him not wearing pads and it's like, no, dude, he's hes just trim. That's just how he looks. I don't know. I'll be interested to see. But if you use Instagram, go check that out. Look for yourself. See if he looks a little more trim than you would expect. But uh, anyways, also a major milestone here, um, Drew, we've, we've hit the goal. Big shout out to Clayton with that one, with his big giveaway. We've actually surpassed it. We had an anonymous donor of $235, which obviously was just to get us exactly to $7,440, so thank you so much to that person. And then you got Eric Spiegel, who donated on top of that $250, so any additional fees and equipment, dog food, whatever else, I guess you would need to take care of the dog. Eric's going to come in and help out with that as well. But um, it's been a long time coming, real happy for Drew, and just real happy that we can get that taken care of so now we can focus on supporting me on patreon (laughs) but happy for him and thank you guys all so very much for for all that support gonna try to do speed round for nfl news but we're starting off with some bears stuff so i doubt i'm gonna be able to get through it quickly but i'm gonna try cbs sports had an article talking about bets that you should make a couple of the bets that they had in here for example comeback player of the year Jameis winston plus 600 um they've got uh, division winner rams odds plus 135 etc cetera, etc cetera. one of the ones that intrigued me the most however was lowest scoring team in the NFL the chicago bears at plus 700 again the point of the article my understanding anyways these are bets you absolutely should make <laughs> goes on to say the chicago bears are currently tied for the lowest odds to win the NFC north and are minus 440 to miss the playoffs so I don't want to just skate past that. They have the same odds as the Lions to win the division right now. Because honestly, that's a long way of saying the odds makers don't exactly think they'll be making much noise in 2022. I'd agree with that assumption and take it one step further. Chicago has a chance to be the lowest scoring team in the NFL next season. This offseason they've seen more offensive talent, like Allen uh, Robinson, leave the organization than come in. New GM Ryan Poles' first two picks in the NFL Draft were on the defensive side of the ball, and new head coach Matt Eberflus is a former defensive coordinator for the Colts. So he has more of a defensive background than anything else. With the likes of Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle, and Equinemius St. Brown as Chicago's top three receivers, that's not a whole lot for second-year quarterback Justin Fields to work with. Fields' best weapon in the offense is running back David Montgomery, but centering your offensive attack around the ground game will cap Chicago's scoring ability. Meanwhile, in the 10 games that Fields started during his rookie campaign in 2021, the Bears averaged 16.8 points per game, which would have been good for fourth lowest points scored in the NFL. It's nothing that I haven't been saying almost every day for a very long time, but there's just something about hearing someone else say it so that I can just sit back and go, I didn't say it. I'm just reading it. It just makes it feel very satisfying. So I'm going to leave it at that. In other Bears news, Chicago Bears linebacker Matthew Adams was arrested. He was charged with misdemeanor illegal gun possession and possession of a high capacity magazine and metal piercing bullets seems relatively, I don't want to say insignificant for him or anything, obviously this is serious stuff, but seems insignificant when you figure he's a 2018 7th round pick. That is until I found this little nugget on a completely different article. Um, it was kind of going through the Chicago Bears roster and questions after OTAs and whatnot, and then it looked at strong side linebacker and had a question. The question was, will Matthew Adams hold the same front-runner position on the strong side following Thursday's arrest on gun charges? That is to say, again, as I've been saying, linebacker not the strongest position in the world. A no-name 2018 7th round pick with very little experience apparently was a front-runner to be a linebacker this season. It says he practiced in the number one spot all off-season. It's a position they use mainly on early and running downs, but important nonetheless. Kind of goes on to describe some other options, but the point is not insignificant. The Bears seemingly planned on utilizing him as their strong side linebacker. Anyways, I want to continue on through that article because when you look at the Bears camp battles and things right now, you just look at it and shake your head and say this is a disaster. This is from the Star-Telegram, but after the uh, linebacker question, it goes on to nose tackle, and it says, the signing of Mike Pinnell makes for a far more interesting battle at starting nose in training camp. And it goes on to talk about uh, Kairis Tonga, however you say his name, Angelo Blackson, and the fact that Mike Pennell, I think that's how you say his name. I don't know why that seems wrong, but I think that's it. I know it's not Pennell. He was a Packer, and I liked him, and I don't know why I can't say his name. Point is, though, it's a disaster. If, if, I, if I was a Bears fan, Bears podcaster, Bears writer, and I had to write these things about how interesting it is, the battle at nose tackle between a journeyman... You know, defensive tackle that can't stay on a team for more than a couple years and hasn't really made an impact kind of kind of ever in his career as far as like a big impact or a seventh round pick in 2021 it's just depressing it's like we've got this very serious competition between jonathan ford and uh some guy we signed that's a journeyman you know what i mean i mean, you could try to get excited about him and be like dude jonathan ford's really large it's gonna be crazy at defensive end they're talking about the battle um, for the left end spot between Travis Gibson and al Alqadin Muhammad, the third they talk about the fifth and sixth receiver, which is kind of hilarious because who the heck is your third receiver? But it says this is a battle for survival, and it's not entirely clear who the combatants will even be beyond Equinemius Saint Brown. We can just leave it at that. Next they talk about corner, and again it's just it's just not great. Starts off it's entirely unclear what the Bears plan at cornerback is. Uh, Jalen Johnson played right cornerback after he returned to the team in OTAs following a missed voluntary minicamp. Rookie Kyler Gordon initially played for the spot but was unavailable with an injury later. This left Kendall Vildor at starting left cornerback all offseason, and he had been benched last year. Would the Bears move Gordon or Johnson to slot cornerback? Would they move one or two over to the left side and bench Vildor? They have veteran slot acquisition Tavon Young available. It's just just the whole process of... Like, I I just wonder if the writer just sits there and goes, what the heck are we even talking about here? This is stupid. Then finally, it looks at offensive line, and it says, this one sounds much like cornerback, but on a much lower level because the quality of players isn't high and the stakes might be higher. The need is to protect Justin Fields with inexperienced people. Will they take a risky route and start rookie left tackle Braxton Jones? If not, then the left tackle would appear to belong to second-year tackle Larry Borum. If they do, then it seems Borum is at right tackle. And if they don't think Jones is ready, is it Tevin Jenkins playing right tackle? Which, of course, is a question because Tevin Jenkins was terrible. says, then there is the right guard mess impacting all of this because they could move Jenkins there even though he hasn't practiced as a guard with the Bears. He did play some there at Oklahoma State. Otherwise, it's Sam Mustafer battling rookie Zach Thomas and Jatire Carter at right guard unless the Bears take the advice of their former standout center Olin Krutz and play Mustafer at center while moving Lucas Patrick to right guard. I mean, am I alone in this? Does this sound just like an absolute nightmare? You look at it and just go, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? You're looking at 10 sacks, all right? 10 sacks in a game. I understand trying to get that down to nine, but does it matter? I don't know. Another interesting NFL news. Warren Sapp went on a uh, tirade about uh, Colin Kaepernick saying that he heard it was the worst workout ever when he went to the Raiders. I don't know how reliable Warren Sapp is, but I find it funny either way. He said, I heard it was a disaster. I heard it was one of the worst worst workouts ever. I have to assume that's a slight exaggeration, but at the same time, again, I'm, I'm I'm ready for this whole thing to be over with. He was a bad quarterback what five years ago when he was last in the league six years ago however long it was can we be done with this he did a workout like in 2019 and it wasn't good that was a time when he said he was going to do a workout they were going to do it at like the falcons facility the nfl had bent over backwards they allowed him to bring his film crew they allowed him to bring in nike to do like some ad shoot because of course he's got to make money off of this And then he backed out last second and changed the venue at like 2.30 in the afternoon to some park with some other people so nobody would really be there except his people. He did a workout and then he's like, I'm waiting on everybody now. This was a great workout. I'm expecting calls from 32 teams and from Roger Goodell. It's like the guy's in his own universe. It wasn't a very good workout. But anyways, shocker, he went unsigned. Raiders are like, nah, we'll we're good. Uh, There was some news about Sunday Ticket, unfortunately, not really having a uh, reduction in price. There's a lot of excitement about it moving to a new company, hopefully being handled better and maybe being a better product, but at the very least, the price is not going to be coming down, so that kind of stinks, but whatever. According to Jeremy Fowler, Debo Samuel is not exactly 100% going back with the 49ers, but it does kind of sound like it's imminent. says he has not officially rescinded his trade request. But he did show up for minicamp, and there's not a lot of chatter right now about trades, so that might be officially off the table at this point. Not entirely sure, but you can maybe take that off your wish list. But speaking of that, that kind of brought me to something else, just as kind of a, a thought experiment. Some news about Jimmy Garoppolo that's kind of in the opposite direction. There has not been a lot of talk about Garoppolo as far as trades and everything else. It's Between him and Baker Mayfield, it's been kind of surprising that there's been no talk from quarterback-needy teams to maybe grab these guys. Everybody, I guess, is comfortable enough. However, apparently the uh, injury that he suffered is looking good. Timetable's looking great. He's expected to start throwing again in early July. And so the point is, again, via Jeremy Fowler, well, the news about this is from Jeremy Fowler, but the the, the rumor is that the trade market's going to start heating up now that we have official word on Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I don't know what it would cost to get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. And I certainly wouldn't give up a lot for him, but what... Let me put it this way. At what point does it make sense for the Packers to bring him in? Even if we're just talking about a capable backup in case Rodgers goes down that can carry the mantle, considering this is a scheme he's very familiar with. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a great quarterback. There's, there's no question about that. He's not an elite guy. But he is a guy that has, been, that has proven he can operate within a system. The 49ers have been very, very dominant with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm it wasn't like man they got a good defense if only they had a quarterback that was capable they could win games no they're winning like 13 games they're, they're going to the Super Bowl etc cetera, etc cetera. and obviously if we bring him in as a you know backup quote unquote th- there's also the consideration of if Rodgers does just play one more year and love isn't exactly the answer we could possibly have a quarterback do you want a guy that has as many injury issues as Jimmy Garoppolo I don't know I will say, though, it is appealing to have a 30-year-old guy that has proven he can do it, that is not going to cost a lot of money, and with a discount quarterback. And I'm not saying you can't keep searching for replacements in the draft or whatever, but that does mean you're going to be able to have a lot of money to allocate elsewhere. To pay the stars that you have, bring in that tight end, that wide receiver, that safety, that whatever it is you need to kind of complete this thing. Again, it comes down to the price, but I think it's kind of intriguing. And, and again, it doesn't have to freak everybody out. I mean, it, it's going to upset people. There's, there's no question, but it, but at some point, you got to just do the right thing. I mean, Jordan Love's going to look at it and say, okay, I guess I guess we're done here. Aaron Rodgers is saying, what what are you trying to push me out? But at the end of the day, it's just, no, we're, we're bringing in... It's going to be a tough sell because it's probably going to cost money, cost draft capital, etc. But the way you try to spin it is he's just a backup. It's a short-term thing. Like, just relax. He's gonna, you know, kinda just be a safety net in case Rodgers gets hurt. But he's, he's not a long-term thing, Jordan. You don't need to worry about it. And Rodgers, he, he's he's not gonna do anything but be a backup. And obviously, you stay as long as you want. It's not a big deal. But it does provide a little bit of extra insurance. Maybe it's just another bad move. You know, just a, just a thing you did that you didn't need to do that ends up being, you know, probably shouldn't have done that. But there are scenarios that we can get into in which we get into trouble. Rodgers goes down, season's done. Rodgers leaves after this year again no offense to Jordan but as far as I can tell we're kind of doomed And I think Jimmy can fill in that spot and again maybe it is long term the guy has a if you look at his career record and multiply it over a 17 game season he gets about 12 wins a season he has a 70 percent win percentage career-wide 33 and 14 is his record again it's not even so much a, a talent issue he he was basically dominant for two different teams. He was 7-0 and with New England. I think that the, the biggest issue is just the injuries. and maybe the fact that the last two years haven't been quite as impressive, but he was 3-3 and 9-6. and I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Again, I'm not willing to spend a lot of money on this slash draft capital, and it's probably going to cost too much. But at the same time, is he really going to get a starting gig? Is, is, is there a team out there that's going to be like, we want you to be our starting quarterback? If not, and he's a backup, he's going to get backup um, compensation and if you're looking across the league and saying what team makes the most sense to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo as their backup, why wouldn't it be the Packers? Safety net, scheme familiarity, the whole thing. I'm sure Rodgers and he would chum it up, you know, get along just fine. Anyways, I don't know how we're only 18 minutes into this. It's probably going to be a short episode, but we'll uh, we'll take a break here. Come back, talk about a couple of the things in just a minute. As for the stat of the day, um, I saw an article on Yard Barker, and again, it's more of a launching off point than anything. I'm not really looking into what they talked about, but um, the article is, a look at Aaron Rodgers' absurd career stats, and that kind of just got me thinking about, I should probably be looking into Aaron Rodgers because he's got some crazy stuff, but I kind of want to go through a couple things that they talked about, a lot of which we're kind of already aware of, um, and then I'm just going to start kind of working through a couple different things. Uh, The stat that I found... Again, not in any way related to this, but interesting. But anyways, just kind of looking at the stuff that they found starting off with touchdown to interception, which obviously is something he's extremely well known for. He has thrown 449 career touchdown passes, just 93 interceptions. Touchdown to interception ratio is 4.83 to 1. That is the best of all time. In all likelihood, he'll throw 500 touchdown passes before his 100th interception, which is obviously Ridiculous. To be clear, though, we're talking about 51 touchdowns before he throws seven picks. So, fingers crossed, because that would be pretty cool. It Says in all likelihood, but I don't, I don't know that it is in all likelihood. <laughs> but it would be awesome. Goes on to say uh, the last time he threw double-digit interceptions was a season uh, in a season came in 2010, which was 12 years ago. In 2018, he set the record for most consecutive passes without an interception with 402. Rodgers also has the uh, oh, the six best touchdown-to-interception ratio seasons in NFL history. So it's such an absurd thing. And we've kind of already talked about it. I know a lot of people think, well, that's because he's so worried about throwing picks, which means he's too cautious. He doesn't really throw risky throws. And that's kind of been more or less debunked. That isn't to say he probably couldn't have let it go maybe once or twice. But the idea that he's too scared to do it, I mean, just look at... If you look back at the last game Aaron Rodgers played, I don't think the complaint is going to be that he's too cautious, as he disregards wide open receivers and throws into triple coverage. And there's all the highlights we've seen of just just grazing off of defenders fingers right into guys arms and things, I mean it's, it's just really not the case. But what an absurd thing when you look at the best touchdown to interception ratio seasons, Rodgers holds the top six in NFL history, that's insane. Goes on to say he has the two highest-rated passing seasons as well. Technically has the best QBR in NFL history among qualified starters at 104.5. In 2011, he set the record for most passing games with a passer rating over 110 with 11. In 2020, a COVID year, Rodgers went on to throw for 48 touchdowns and just five interceptions en route to his third MVP award. It says he's only thrown three pick sixes in 7,118 career attempts. As for contacts, Matt Stafford has thrown 27, Matt Ryan 19, Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger have both thrown 18, Derek Carr, who is eight years younger than Rodgers, has thrown 14 pick sixes in his career. Rodgers has the most seasons of 35-plus touchdowns with six, 40-plus touchdowns with three, and 45-plus touchdowns with two. He has the most 70-plus yard touchdown passes in NFL history with 21, um... It has reached, uh, taken him the fewest amount of games to reach 300 passing touchdowns with 144 and 400 passing touchdowns, 193. If Rodgers wins his second Super Bowl, he will join a very exclusive list of quarterbacks with at least three MVP awards and multiple championships. That list is Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Johnny Unitas. That's it it concludes and i tend to agree there is no debate aaron Rodgers' statistics and abilities prove why he is arguably the greatest quarterback of all time he's easily the most efficient thrower of the football in history his talent is unmatched if he gets at least one more super bowl ring that might be all he needs to take his claim to the greatest to ever do it obviously tom brady is going to always um it's going to be hard to unseat tom brady depending on the criteria but i definitely agree the guy is a remarkable thrower of the football with that said, however, I did a little bit of poking around, and I was curious what Aaron Rodgers' best game of all time was. Now, I'm kind of taking some liberties here to make Aaron Rodgers look a little bit better than maybe he is, or at least this game better than he is, because I looked at a minimum of 30 passing attempts. You probably should or could get away with 20, and we can look at that too, but if you look at games throughout NFL history in which you had 30 pass attempts, and there are many, 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 the, um, and there's a lot of different ways to gauge this, but if you use the statistic of average net yards per attempt, as I said, is a is a decent metric. Um, the fourth best quarterback performance ever, according to this statistic, was Aaron Rodgers' 2019 game against Oakland, when we won 42 to 24. Rodgers was 25 of 31, completing 80% of his passes for 429 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. His touchdown percentage was 16.1 percent. Passer rating of 158.3, 13.8 yards per attempt, 17.2 yards per completion. Based on this, the best game of all time. The the two in front of him are relatively close. Rogers 16.28. Randall Cunningham in 1998 against the Packers, unfortunately 16.31, and then Jared Goff against Minnesota in two, 2018 16.35. But then you got all the way up here, 1991, 18.13 Mark Ripien. Washington against the Atlanta Falcons. They won 56-11. to he, he only completed 16 passes, but scored six touchdowns. So that's crazy. If we bump it down to 20 attempts, Aaron Rodgers' game against Oakland is down at 30th. His next best game would have been against Chicago, which you always love to see when it's against a division rival. But that was in 2014 when the Packers won 55-14. to I'm sure a lot of people remember that game. But 27 attempts, just fell short of the um, 30 there. But 18 completions, scoring 6 touchdowns, which is almost as remarkable. The fact that 18 passes and 6 of those passes were touchdowns. 22.2% completion percentage, 145.8 passer rating. That's such an absurd game. I hope we get to see another one like that. But the top three games are held by Aaron Rodgers looking at Green Bay Packers. Brett Favre's top game is down at 58th in 2003. Uh, his game against Oakland, he won 41-7. 22 completions on 30 passes, 4 touchdowns for Brett Favre. If you're wondering the best game based on average net yard per attempt, Lamar Jackson in uh, 2019. Baltimore won 59-10. to 17 of 20, 85% completion rate, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, obviously, 25% touchdown percentage, 158.3 passer rating, 16.2 yards per attempt. So yeah, the, the Lamar thing is kind of crazy. I mean, the, the difference between Lamar at his best and Lamar at his worst has to be one of the biggest differences in, in the NFL right now. That gap is crazy. I mean, at his best, he's arguably the best quarterback in football. At his worst, he is not even a backup. Anyways, I thought we'd end with a little bit of an exercise. Saw an article somebody put together talking about, you know, the most underrated player on each team and all that kind of stuff. And I I tended to agree with their conclusion, but kind of got me thinking I wanted to look through some of the other players and see maybe this person's a little underrated, maybe this person's a little overrated. And it's hard to say because, first of all, there isn't, like, one concrete, belief out there like this is what every person on on earth believes about this player and this is what they actually are a lot of varying degrees of of thoughts out there that's why it's kind of weird once in a while somebody will say like this guy's super i don't know underappreciated i'm like really i feel like everybody loves that guy maybe a little bit too much so it kind of depends so this is kind of a personal thing because i'm i'm not only giving my opinion of the player but i'm giving my opinion of what i feel like people think of the player but I wanted to run through not the entire roster, because, you know, you look at Jawan Winfrey or Danny Davis. Eh, maybe I will talk about Jawan Winfrey, but a lot of these guys, I I'm just not going to touch it because I, I don't know. But I wanted to go through and just say overrated, underrated, or properly rated. And I just pulled up our lads, so we're going in whatever order they have it in. And they have us starting with wide receiver, and at the very top is Sammy Watkins. And I can tell you right off the bat, I think he's underrated. That's not to say I think that he's necessarily elite, but I, I just think... You know, when, when we went through this wide receiver process of trying to bring people in and everything else and look at the way that people reacted to Sammy Watkins as opposed to some of these other veteran guys that are have injury histories, that have not produced in a long time, those guys are seen as dominant, right? Julio Jones overrated. Not because he wasn't great a long time ago, but just based on what he can give you this year, I think the gap between what Sammy could potentially get you and what Julio could potentially get you is not as wide as what most people think and most of the complaints about Sammy as far as, well, you know, he's not going to play, he's only going to play six games. Okay, what's Julio going to give you? What I don't understand the difference. You're, you're making an argument that doesn't make any sense. And the fact of the matter is there is talent in there. I understand the issues, and I fully understand it's possible he doesn't even make the team and all that. I, I, I get all that, but I do think he's underrated. Uh, Alan Lazard is tough real tough because the, the the other thing is are we talking packer fans or, or general consensus sammy watkins it doesn't matter because it's both i'll say it's it's kind of split on alan lazard I, I do think packer fans generally think too much of alan lazard however with this whole once once Devonte left everybody looked at this entire group and was like well we're doomed even packer fans are like well this isn't good enough even the guys that talked about how great alan lazard are or is once Devonte left it's kind of the veneer just fell off I do think, and I've obviously talked about it already, the the potential that he has is underrated. And again, I just think it's it's if he's the go to guy, I think he's gonna blow up. That's that's the only thing. Um Randall is, is mostly properly rated. I, I would I would lean a little bit underrated just because Again, nobody even, not even Packer fans even consider him as an option on this team in terms of his potential impact. And as I've already said, he's, he's at the very least a very reliable third-down target. Aaron Rodgers trusts him. So again, that potential is there for him to have a bigger season than people expect. Um, Christian Watson is probably overrated. Again, really tough to say. And, and the, I'll say he's maybe overrated by Packer fans, possibly underrated by the national media and the only reason i say that is I've, I've looked at a couple different lists of potential impact you know players and you'll see sky Moore with the chiefs and you'll see all these other guys but you don't see christian watson and the Packers, and that to me just seems kind of silly you know it, it, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense and it seems to be kind of an anti-christian watson bias in terms of i don't care what the packers think i don't think he's that good therefore i don't think he's going to play I do think on the Packer side, though, there might be a little bit more of, or as far as Packer fans, a little bit more of, he's a freak and and having high expectations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Romeo Dobbs, I'm just going to flat out say overrated. Everything that everybody's saying about him is a potential, but this is a, what, fourth round pick? He's a fourth round pick that everyone's like, he could he could be the guy. He could easily be the guy. I, I don't know, man. As of right now, he's a fourth round pick, and that's all I know. Um, Amari Rogers, underrated. Not because he's better than what people think he is, simply because everybody just thinks he's the worst ever, and people need to relax. Um, I'm going to end wide receiver with Samori Ture, probably overrated. Haven't really heard his name a ton recently, but just the fact that, again, a lot of people, and, and we do this all the time with seventh round picks and whatnot, as far as just being, and all, you don't understand, this guy could actually be real good, and I get that. I mean, 95 times out of 100, that 7th-round pick ends up just being a 7th-round pick. Um, David Bakhtiari is properly rated. He's dominant. Everybody acknowledges it. He's kind of going down the line, I guess, with the, well, eh, eh, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, John Runyon, I would probably say underrated, including by me, just because the Packers seem to like him a lot more than everybody else. I think he's kind of locked into that spot. Maybe not 100%. It's not that Zach Tom or Sean Ryan or somebody can't bump him out if they just have a dominant... um, Offseason or whatever, but I think he's a little more comfortably locked than people would want to admit. Uh, Josh Myers, I think it's generally understood he didn't have a great rookie season, but I'm still going to say a little bit overrated. I know the Packers really like him. I know there's a lot of optimism, but I think he had a fairly bad season when he played, and so again, the the, the general consensus, at least among Packer fans, is they got a great pick. It's just once he's healthy, he's going to be dominant. I don't know that that's the case. Um, Royce, mostly rated properly. But as I said the other day, uh, maybe a little bit underrated in terms of his potential. But I'll, I'll stick with properly rated. Elton Jenkins, I have a hard time not saying overrated. And I know that's going to get me in a lot of trouble. But I, I, I just feel like we haven't seen enough yet. You know what I mean? Like He, he wasn't as good of, as a rookie as everybody said he was. He just wasn't. And then he did blow up, and he did a really, really good job, but he also got hurt, and we haven't really seen a ton, and now he's going to move positions again. And the the assumption is, and even among the national media, which is great, because it's rare that Packers get credited, especially too much credit, but it just feels like it's assumed that he's one of the premier tackles in football. It's like, the guy has hardly played football, period. I, I just... I don't know. I mean, I, I like the guy. I'm excited about the guy. I have confidence in the guy, but let's just slow down. Um... Probably end it there with offensive line, tight end Robert Tunyon. I still think is overrated by Packer fans. I think if he had been offered like an eight million dollar per year contract, Packer fans have been like, "Wow, we got a steal there." Again, I think his potential is is really high, especially this season. I mentioned that I think two days ago or whatever it was. But just generally speaking, I think he's he's been in his career a decent tight end. He had that one season with a bunch of touchdowns and everybody freaked out. Um, Mercedes probably about rated about what he he is what he is um i'm hesitant to say he's overrated in terms of his blocking i think he he's human and maybe there's some people that don't want to accept that he's human and maybe isn't the best most perfect blocker in the world we'll leave it at that um josiah i don't know he's probably rated properly i really like the guy but it's based on hope for the future I don't think anybody necessarily hates Josiah. They just don't have a lot of faith in him, and I think that's fair based on what we've seen so far. Uh, and then Tyler Davis is overrated. Not to say he won't be great, but let's just wait and see if he does like a good thing first. Rodgers. I don't know. It's so all over the map. People love him. People hate him. People think he's great. People think he's overrated, garbage, whatever. I, I don't know. Let's just say properly rated. Jordan Love is probably also properly rated. Again people give him too much of a hard time but at the same time people are saying that he's been a bad football player and I think that's accurate Aaron Jones I don't know I would probably say underrated I think everybody generally understands he's a good running back but if you try to put him in the conversation as one of the premier backs in football the rest of the league will laugh at you and I think it's fair to put him in that conversation AJ Dillon is massively underrated because as of last year he already was one of the top running backs in football and again if this was a national show or if i had a a more national not just packers audience and i were to say that i would get laughed to scorn uh flipping over to defense dean lowry i think is underrated um packer fans just seem to be kind of done with it more or less want to just move on like he's he's fine but he's not good enough let's get something better i think the packers are just absolutely love the guy um, I think he's just fundamentally sound. I think he knows how to do his job. And I think he generally does a good job. I mean, he, he's not elite, but you know how it is. Kenny Clark, I, man, I think you know my answer. I, I just I don't like saying it. I like Kenny a lot. I just think Packer fans Packer fans overrate him because they want to put him in the elite tier, and he's just never really done that. He's never put up like massive elite numbers if you look at his sack numbers or anything like that and you can talk about his scheme or whatever you want to talk about that's fine his run defense that's fine but when you look at the top defensive tackles in football right and you stack them up with Kenny Clark there's just a difference there's a difference there right and it's 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 not just well he he plays no so he doesn't get as many opportunities yeah but we can we can look at we can isolate when he's rushing the passer we can isolate when he has one-on-one opportunities and the numbers still don't stack up. So I like Kenny. He's a good football player. He can do everything the Packers ask him to do. He has, I mean, we, we saw, I think he had one really dominant year. That's, you know, via PFF and everything else, one year where he was dominant. So it's in there somewhere, but we just haven't really seen it since. And so I I'm gonna stick with overrated. I think the national media kind of rates him properly. If you look at like the rankings and whatnot, he's kind of on the second tier, which I think is fair. Packer fans, they'll expect you know there's there's the Aaron Donald tier, then there's the first tier, then there's the second tier. I think he would be on the second tier. Most Packer fans would put him at the top of the first tier. Uh, Jaron Reed, I'm gonna say is overrated. Uh, Packer fans and even the national media look at it as this was a massive acquisition, and look, we've brought in guys that haven't done anything that have produced at a, at a really high level, but geron has just not been a good football player. I don't know what to tell you. TJ Slayton, massively overrated. The guy was a fifth-round pick. Again, I like him. I hope he blows up, but we have put way too much stock in this guy that he's going to be something amazing. Um, I don't know. Devontae Wyatt. I, I, I don't know. Borderline underrated. I mean, he hasn't done anything yet, but it's just weird that... We got a first-round defensive tackle. who's one of the freakiest guys in football, and I, I, there's almost no noise about him. Like, there's more talk about our linebacker and wide receiver and fourth-round wide receiver and seventh-round wide receiver. and Not a ton of talk about Devontae Wyatt, so I'm just going to go out and say underrated. Edge rushers, Preston Smith, I don't know, maybe a little overrated just because of how good he was last year. People are going to make assumptions. I, I think there might be more of a regression than expected. Uh, Rashawn Gary pretty, everybody more or less caught up, but I I still going to lean a little bit underrated. Again, if you take him on the national stage and just go out and say he's one of the premier pass rushers in football, people are going to be like, nah, he's good, but he ain't that good. Yes, he is. Um, Kingsley, again, fifth round guy with a ton of hype. Let's just cool it with the hype a little bit. He's a fifth round pick for a reason, so I'll say slightly overrated. Uh, Randy Ramsey, Jonathan Garvin, probably about rated properly. Uh, Devondre Campbell, only reason i would say overrated is just because of my concern i know he was good last year that doesn't mean he's going to be good forever um quay walker i'm going to lean underrated especially by the national media because they're still laughing at that pick but um, again the packers took him ahead of every other linebacker they really like the guy they took him ahead of devante wyatt they took him ahead of christian watson they really really believe in the guy and again i just think he has a ton of potential in this system it's not really worth talking a ton about Chris Barnes, Isaiah McDuffie, Ty Summer, so I'm not going to, especially since I'm rapidly running out of time. Corners Eric Stokes, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and lean a little overrated as far as Packer fans are concerned. Again, he's fine. He did he did fine. But again, the the perception generally is we have three elite corners in Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas. Maybe maybe that's overstating what Packer fans think, but three very good corners. And I, we, just, we don't really know what Stokes is yet. I, I was stoked <laughs> that he did as well as he did as a rookie being thrust into that spot. No question. But really the question for me is, you know, I don't really expect regression necessarily. It's possible. But I think if he stays at this level, he's just kind of a mediocre corner. The question is, is he going to take a step and become what packer fans think he is so as of right now i'm going to say overrated but with an extremely high ceiling you know could just be absolutely dominant uh jair i think is properly rated i'm, I'm going to give him the respect due that he did what he did obviously regression is possible but he's seen as a premier corner and i think that's what he is until proven otherwise uh, razool i think you guys know i think is overrated i like him i'm beyond stoked what he did for us last year but again he's never really done that in the past interceptions are very fleeting and as of right now he seems to be our slot guy which is something I have no idea if he can do that so uh, that is absolutely a wait and see for me. Um, Darnell Savage I think is more or less properly rated just because he had a pretty bad year last year and I think everybody acknowledges that I think everyone's kind of on the same page that he's got a lot of potential but he has to do better. Amos I think is underrated Uh, the article actually had Amos as the most underrated player I think that's entirely true Uh, he's been like a top five safety for five straight years and nobody acknowledges it. I mean, it's hard to find anybody at any position who's been like top five, top 10. You know, you got guys like Khalil Mack and, and, uh, you know, TJ Watt or whatever. But that's the point. It's it's all going to be premier, premier players. Amos might be the only safety in that category. I I think the last time I looked, he was. There was nobody else that was as good as he was every single year over, over the same span or any span. And it's just kind of nobody wants to acknowledge it. I don't even know if Packer fans want to acknowledge it. Like, we, we like Amos, but do we really, really acknowledge how good he is? Otherwise, all we really have that matters is, is Mason Crosby. And um, I don't know. I, I, I just think properly rated. I think I think it's everyone just kind of sees what it is. The whole special teams unit needs to improve. And, you know, Crosby's a great kicker, has been for a long time needs to be better than he was last year, and we're hopeful that he is. That's that's about it. So, Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. I am very, very much out of time. Uh, you folks enjoy your Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.